to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Um, my name is Dylan Murphy. With me, as always, is my co-host and king of my guitar world, John Gillum. Oh, you? that's so sweet. You're that's the king it. of my heart. heart. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. We, we, can just, we can just end the episode now. I just wanted to feel better about myself. <laughs> um, welcome, everybody. It's been a while. Uh, it's summer and we're busy. John has John is running summer camps and I've got some really bad hay fever. So we've been pretty much up to our eyes in, in, in work and uh, allergies. So yeah, we're, we're happy to be recording this episode. It's been a while, but we're trying to keep this uh, ship a rolling. I know it's it's a train, but you know, you can roll ships. So uh, John, <laughs> how are you? you? You roll the ships out of the dock, I guess, right? That's, That's it, right? Yeah. yeah. See? Quite the See? image. We know what we're, we're, we're on about. Yeah, summertime's crazy. Uh, keeping... Keeping us busy at the studio, keeping me busy as I am also a parent. And for some reason, the schools don't let you just drop your kids off in the middle of <laughs> and leave Friend them at the school job. for eight hours. This is just, you know, kind of feel like that's not fair. But I mean, yeah. I'm, I'd say you could do that for maybe like two or three days tops before, you know. Someone, I mean, they've someone... got their lunch with them. What more do they want? <laughs> <laughs> Giving them like a small rubber ball to bounce, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're busy. Yeah, that's pretty much the rumor. Yeah. Uh, so yes, as uh, unpaid podcasters, we basically do this whenever we bloody well feel like it. <laughs> so, uh, but we're happy to be here and happy to talk all things guitar and so much to discuss. And um, so, uh, but before we get into any of the <laughs> um, Gibson legal matters, cough cough. Oh um, goodness. Uh, we're we we're going down this rabbit hole today. Is that? Is that the plan? Yes, just thought we could go one day without, well, like one episode without just, you know, discussing Gibson. Um, here we are back again. But first, we have a look at the week. So, John, I've got this locked, loaded, ready to go. Do you want to give me any uh, background before I... No, no, I don't think so, because I think you could probably pick it up. And if not, we'll go from there. Cool. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Okay, that's really okay. So it's a. I should get this. So I'm, I'm guessing it's a three-piece band. Uh, no, actually. No. Okay. No. Well, it sort of is. It's three, got... and then there's a vocalist. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting. I'm just thinking because it's it's very seventies. You've got the phaser on the drums. You've got mm -hmm. like this kind mm -hmm. of phaser effect on the guitar as well. Yeah, phasers all around. Yeah, <laughs> it was the decade of phase. And um, we've, uh, uh, there, there's, there's a lot going on. You've kind of got the basses of quite loud. And um, it's doubling. I don't know. It's very interesting because I'm going to say like cheap trick or something, but mm. maybe not. And so I'm judging by your facial expression. Probably not. Mm. This is something I really feel I should know, but do not know. Um, oh, phaser. It could be, like, no, it's not kiss. Um, Ah, oh, put me out of my misery, John. Okay, it's Van Halen. Van, that is way too simple for a Van Halen song. What Van oh, Halen song is that? That is Mean Streets. So the intro is actually way more complex, but this is the groove yes. that, oh, man. that comes in off of Fair Warning. Yeah, so, I know that song. I love that song. Fucking hell. Because I always think of the intro. It's like almost tapped. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's this kind of like tap, harmonic type thing. Yeah, plays over it, right? But so it's 
off of Fair Warning. It's 1981. So your favorite, your favorite Van Halen album. Yeah, it is. It is. It is actually. Yeah. So, and I realized like we hadn't really done anything on this. I've never actually talked about like the groove section on this. And this is, this is part of it. I think Van Halen, you know, what everybody thinks of is the tapping and the harmonics and the shreds. Yeah. His, his sense of timing and his rhythm is, I, I think, really noteworthy. And in particular, how he combines kind of a lead and rhythm style. So if you think about the 70s, you've got loads and loads, not all, but you do have loads of bands that have two guitars or even three in some cases, you know, where you have a band like Leonard Skinner who has like guitar players like coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> like they have to smuggle one in in the bass drum because they have too many guitar players already. It's like that sort of thing. So the second but, bass drum is full of cowboy hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, and the, the reason I, I mean, it, it really is a three piece just because it, I don't know, pick a lead singer and just insert them into Van Halen and you have, you still have Eddie and Alex and until recently, Michael Anthony. So though I would say they're firing yes. if Michael Anthony, Anthony has completely turned me off of anything Eddie Van Halen has to say. So, but that's, that's a whole other yeah, controversy to get into. Holy cow. That thing's a mess. But in terms of playing, the reason I picked this is because it's one of my favorite examples of Eddie's rhythm playing that just grooves. It just, it has a great groove. I love the pocket. And I think it just really exemplifies what that sort of early phase of Eddie, uh, Van Halen was able to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just picking like, notes for the riff, I think is really, it's like, it's just like a three note riff, but it's, it's all about the feel. It's all, it's not like if you see it written down and then you're to play it, it's all about kind of the groove that it locks in. Um, even the before it's, it's Alex Van Halen is his, yeah. his brother. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with those classic phased Tom Tom drums. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, cool. Yeah. Excellent choice. Yeah, and that, that I love that chorus as well. If you listen to the whole song, I just I really like just the, it's just it's it's slow and it's grooving and it's it's really not flashy. It's just really uh, it's it's really four on the floor sort of a feel. Um, class, good 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 choice. Uh, yeah. What era of Van Halen was this? So this, this was like, like I said, this is eighty one. So this would have been um, their oh gosh. Now I have to think about which album this is. So is their third or fourth? It's their fourth. So okay. I, think, I think it goes one, two, and then I think it's Women and Children first, and then this one. So if okay. I remember correctly. And then I think yeah. Diver Down after that. Which ah, yes. Terrible album. <laughs> uh, they can't they can't all be singers um yeah and let's not forget their their 90s foray into the uh that they had your man from extreme oh yeah 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 uh that was like 98 or 99 or something like that uh, and, yeah, yeah you know uh to be to be honest like i think there is there's some actually really good musicianship i think from just about everybody on there but and I know that's a controversial thing to say, but it's not a Van Halen album, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. It's, it's just... It no, that's absolutely fair to say. But it's, I, I think there's some great music. I think it's not Van Halen. If it had been anybody else in that time period, there probably would have been like, oh, hey, there's some good stuff on here. There's some great guitar work on there. Um, I, I would say that's I think good. production on it too was just a little bit... Uh, 
it, it was probably left a little too much up to Eddie. <laughs> there wasn't somebody to kind of rein him in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always necessary. We'll save it for our Van Halen podcast. There you um, go. Yeah, yeah. Next um, on our Van Halen our, podcast. Our our Vancast. So, John, I feel that you got a little bit of the short end of the stick this week because not only have you had to provide the lick of the week, but you've also had to do the our our current our, our my favorite section. You hate it, which uh, we will be discussing shortly. But before that, Gibson, what have they done now? Oh. <laughs> Cut to our, our musical our musical theme. Yes. Um, wah, wah. Uh, okay, so the last time we checked in with Gibson, they were kind of they were on the comeback. They were uh, they just brought out a new line of models of of, of you know all their classics from the, the Les Paul to the Explorer to the SG, and they were getting some really good reviews because they dropped the prices. Mm-hmm. And uh, one second now and. Um, so we're just basically talking about Gibson, and then we're gonna we're basically gonna talk about the uh, yeah about the, you hate it. Sorry, you can cut this out. But yeah, anyway, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, in that case, cut yeah. that section out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or leave it in. I don't care. Um. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So yeah, Gibson are now back in the news again about a month to six weeks later, because they. Uh, John, do you want to explain it? It's 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 it makes, uh, it's making me cringe. I, I can't so, look at my eyes because I'm cringing so much. Yeah, they had one of their guys. What was his name? What was what was the guy's name? Do you recall? The uh, oh oh the the creative director or whatever his name was. Uh, oh, the Gibson's director of brand experience. There we go. Mark, Ag- Mark Agnesi. Because yeah, I could he remember is, it, it was it was Mark, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, Mark Agnassi, like, yeah, or however cool. you say his last name. Uh, I, I could be completely uh, mispronouncing it, mispronunciating it. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so he came out and um, essentially said, hey, everybody be on the lookout because we're going to protect our branding and kind of essentially threatened anybody that makes something that vaguely looks like anything Gibson has trademarked um, and said, yeah. hey, I'm going to come after you. And I'm, I, I don't know that we know exactly what that means yet. Um, so basically this was done by posting a video to YouTube that was uh, shortly removed afterwards. And you after know, the firestorm. Yeah, exactly. The internet, <laughs> the internet, somebody copied it. And uh, if I may read out the direct quote, from uh, Mr. Agnesi. Any copy or of any one of those designs that we've named is in fact, by definition, a counterfeit Gibson guitar. Sigh. We want you to know you've been warned. We're looking out and we're here to protect our iconic legacy and designs that we've created over generations. So this is a big thing because, you know, a lot of those shapes, like... ESP, PRS has like a Les Paul shape. Um, I mean, like Dean guitars, uh, like they've they've Jackson. got like their own flying V. Yeah, everyone you know, has. Like it just yeah, because Jackson's got a flying V and have for decades now. And I I don't know what what kind of precedent there is for any of this, to be honest. But it, it does sort of feel like you'd be fighting a losing battle. Not to mention Jackson, which is owned by Fender, right? Has still Fender is still in the black. Last time I checked, and <laughs> might be able to afford slightly better legal counsel than Gibson at this point. So, um, 
I don't think anybody wants a protracted battle, but like, this is insane. This is just, this is completely disconnected from reality. Yeah. It's like, why? Like it's, it's just completely shooting your foot after, you know, just trying to reestablish yourself as a brand. I mean, like you're one of the biggest guitar brands on the planet. You're trying to, you know, get back on an even keel with your, your fans and people that have dismissed you because of malarkey like this. And now you're, you're just, you're just saying, Oh wait, no, we're going to sue everybody else that copies like the Les Paul, you know, shape, the, the flying V shape, the Explorer shape. I mean, these are shapes that have been, you cannot do that. You cannot. And it gets worse because they have even launched a website where you can report cough squeal on counterfeit guitars. And you, they've even put up a page on their site that lists all of the parts and names that they have trademarked. So basically like for everything from a headstock to like the Epiphone logo to the flying V shape to even their mandolin heads. Like it's, it's madness. Yeah. I mean the logo fine. Like I get that. And I definitely yeah. can understand there's certain elements that are, that are Gibson's, you know, whatever. But there, when it comes to a guitar shape, um, you know, they're suing Dean, like they're actually doing this. This is um, from guitar.com. There's, they have an article, which is actually a really nice one about um, how Gibson went toe to toe with PRS and lost. And now, now they're, yeah, uh, I'll send you the link, but yeah, they're, they're going against Dean. This was announced a day or two ago. So uh, today is the 27th. So this is, it, it just, it kind of looks like a case of you're still out of touch. You still don't have any idea what's going on. And you think instead of going out and trying to win consumer approval, the best thing to do is double down on what you have been doing um, and going after people that may genuinely have no opinion about Gibson. But now the fact that you're going after him, it's kind of like nobody's going to want this. It just you, yeah. your further brand experience, like way to just tarnish your brand experience even further. This is this is brilliant. It's, so. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like it's almost like an onion esque like article like headline in terms of the 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 suing. Like you're just turning people against you. You should be like proud that so many people are using something similar in terms of a design. But like, wh- why are you doing this? I don't know. I don't know if there's much else we can say on this. We just wanted to highlight it in case people hadn't heard about it. Yeah. Um, and we in are case very... you've been living under a rock. Yeah. But... It's, uh, <laughs> you know, but not a Les Paul shaped rock. Oh we, yeah, we absolutely have... <laughs> not. Yeah. Oh, I, I, again, I just, I feel like it's, it's once again, Gibson's still out of touch with what, um, with what the consumers are doing and what the consumers are buying. And they think, well, if somebody's buying a cheaper Gibson model, quote, knockoff, whether that's a PRS or whether, I mean, Sir makes a Gibson style body. Um, so do a lot of other high-end guitar manufacturers. Are they going to go after these guys too? Because at that point, I think you're alienating more people than your business is going to be saved, quote unquote. Like, yeah. Exactly. And it seems the big, big part of this is that le- legacy seems to mean an awful lot to Gibson. Like they're like our iconic legacy or whatever. But like, yeah. you have to remember if you, if you pull stuff like this in 20 years, nobody's going to be playing you like at right. all. Like no right. modern players play Gibsons. 
I think particularly in our environment, the way to protect your legacy is not to essentially just build a wall around it, but instead to, to reach out to people and be like, hey, this is what we do. Here's what we've always done. Here's how we're making your experience of it better. Make it more affordable. Make it more accessible. Uh, the, the fact that, again, I've said it so many times, I would buy, if I were looking for a guitar in that vein, I'm going to go for a PRS or nearly anything else under that $3,000 mark. There's so many other places to go. And if I'm going to spend $3,000, I'm sure as hell not spending it on a Gibson custom shop guitar. And yeah, after this, like, I'm, I'm throwing my hand, hands up. I am washing them completely <laughs> of this company. I'm just, I'm so fed up with Gibson. Okay. Whew. All right. I got it out. Done. Go. All right. Go let's, for let's, <laughs> okay. Let's rant about, <laughs> this is a very ranty episode, Well, not really, I suppose. And um, so basically we started this, uh, uh, segment on our show, this, uh, semi-recurring segment, um, called, uh, for lack of a better word, you hate it, but dot, 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 uh, which is essentially where, um, one of us will pick an artist that we feel has gotten a lot of slack and we want to defend to the other, uh, to the other co-host. So John, it is your turn. And, uh, I believe you have picked a, um, certain, uh, uh two thirds English, one third American band. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Um, so J- John, do you want to, would you like to, uh, tell the listeners who you have picked and why you've chosen to defend them this time. Okay. So last time I picked Montley crew, which I think is kind <laughs> of somewhat expected of somebody like me. Um, but maybe not expecting me to defend Montley crew this time. Uh, I went for something a little bit different because I think there's some elements, particularly of this guitar players playing that I really enjoy. And I think as a band, they were able to create some really, good music as a band um and one of those unique situations where it really works as a band and i think as individuals much less so so um the <laughs> band is police and um oh, no. yeah okay. <laughs> wow this is this is gonna be a tough audience today no so, no no I, I may not John, i may I not like... win you over entirely but that's i think i think there's a lot of stuff to kind of look at and i picked mostly mostly songs that would not have been um necessarily like on a greatest hits album um and i think i think maybe two of them are i'm not sure about all of them but so we'll see yeah i i i yeah okay i i have a long and um bumpy history with the police i (laughs) i i got really into the police when i was about 15 16 because i was playing drums and Stuart copeland is one of the best pop drummers that has ever lived hands down fantastic uh, musician um, who really shook things up and did things that nobody else was doing be putting delay pedals on the drums and you know his his reggae influences were fucking amazing and andy summer's what a what a musician like i i i tried yeah. to read his his autobiography and it was just it's too it, it it's even too guitary for me like he goes into like learning all these chords and yeah but i went to see them um back in 2007 i want to say mm-hmm. and when they reformed on i think one of the highest grossing reunion tours of all time 
and yeah it was, like it was great i mean andy summers he's a good bit older than the rest of the band yeah he's like I 10 believe. years older almost if not yeah 10 years older yeah yeah kind of like a mick, the mick mars <laughs> of the place yeah. um but he uh yeah so i i don't know i i think maybe my biggest beat because i since then i've really kind of turned off them um and i think probably is the you know the elephant in the room which is fucking sting as an asshole <laughs> It's like he, yeah. there's a, there's a quote from him and there's a quote from him in the interview it was like asking why the police broke up is like asking why the Soviet Union broke up man. They're like, "Oh man, stop That's it. Stop saying answer too. Are you saying the police broke up because you couldn't outspend Montley crew on military hardware? Is that like there you Is that what you <laughs> We'll save it for our, our Soviet I'm, Union podcast, John. Maybe they just couldn't afford the makeup. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. It all can comes no longer to... afford tanks. That's that's the answer. That's please. <laughs> Their infrastructure all right, is crumbling. So... <laughs> uh. um, save it for a USSR podcast. Um. So, so uh, I want you. Okay, wh- wh- where are you going to begin your 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 argument here? Okay, let's go ahead and start with "Bring on the Night." Okay, this is from their second album, I believe. Yeah, uh, "Regatta de Blanc." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, okay. Ah, uh, you might be winning me back already. I love those. Like, I remember getting the police, the the greatest hits tab book, and man, those. It's hard to play. Like, it's it's really complicated guitar playing. It it, it is. Even though um, a lick like this is not necessarily super intricate, it's just it's the the clarity of which he plays it. Uh, the fact that it's consistent, like his. Yeah. Those 16th notes are just like perfect. And I think what's interesting about this, this kind of sets the tone for a lot of, a lot of the, the catalog of the police that is not necessarily that uh, pop or the, the top 40 hits are, have this real cinematic feel to them that I really okay. enjoy. And this, it's very, it's kind of mood music. And this thing sort of sets the mood. Now, granted, this song kind of picks up and it's got this kind of bouncy, like quasi-reggae feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think this particular section is um, is really interesting in just that you can hear Stuart Copeland's hi-hat work, which is something that I think is, I'm not a drummer, but when I listen to the way he uses the hi-hat as an instrument of itself, I think it's really impressive. And it tends to fit really well and tends to help create that mood so what i like about this the way it's produced and even sting's vocals on this the the vocals are not mixed so they're right in your face but they kind of it's almost as if they're in in the room and you're kind of hearing this echo around you so the production on it i think the um just the instrumentation and the way it's arranged really gives much more of this cinematic quality that i think they're very a lot of their stuff is actually more along those lines than necessarily when you think of like Roxanne or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Like, like, do you think that Queen, sorry, there's Queen influence there in terms of like, it's uh, 
like a lot of people know the hits but their other stuff can be really obscure just like in terms of like the music that that's made yeah you know i, I think the the police were incredibly productive for a very short period of time and so the and not that the hits are bad i just think there's a big back catalog of stuff that is actually yeah. really musically interesting there's a lot of stuff that both Stuart copeland and andy summers wrote that are on the albums um, that Sting just absolutely hated and either didn't want it on the album. And one of the songs is Behind My Camel. So, Oh, yeah, that is mad. Primus yeah. covered that. Yeah. It's so oh, weird. no kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a great instrumental tune. Andy Summers just, again, it, that was his track. And the producer on that album actually said he kind of thinks that's, that's, there's a slight dig at Sting right there. So, because what's <laughs> going to be behind a camel? Uh, Massive pile of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> ding, so yeah, there's, there, there is the, that's what the producer said. So anyway, um, yeah. Can I, sorry, I just, John, I just found a quick quote about behind my camel that I really need to, uh, I really need to read out by Sting. Um, I hated that song so much that one day when I was in the studio, I found the tape lying on the table. So I took it around the back of the studio and actually buried it in the garden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Had to, had to include that. What is the next song you want to add? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and let's look at Secret Journey since we're on the, the cinematic thing here. Okay. That is big like that is a big production yeah and again i think it, it speaks to that sort of cinematic quality so this is off a of ghost in the machine which was 1982 again i think it, it sort of sets the tone and in some ways you can sort of see like this uh kind of 80s technological dystopian sort of thing yeah you know what i mean no, I I think for the capturing the mood. Yeah, you forget how like big and grand these songs can be. You know, right. just like yeah, I mean like even like Regatta de Blanc, like the, the the title track, Idol as an instrumental, I love that song because it doesn't feature Sting's vocals, which I can hate from time to time. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um but, and, and some of his lyric writing to be honest. So Really, you can tell mostly what I'm focusing on is kind of the the <laughs> way the way the band operates as a whole. And so I think even his bass lines, they're not necessarily complex, but they fit exactly where they need to in a song like this. Again, Andy Summers 
is working on kind of creating that atmosphere with those delays. He's got extra guitars in there that are just like hitting one chord and you just hear it echo out. Yeah. So I think, I think the strength of the police really lies a lot in this compositional arrangement and instrumentation stuff and not so much um, staying as a front man. <laughs> so, yeah. Cause like I said, I mean, when you listen to his rhyming schemes, it's all A, B, A, B, A, B, like the entire song. And you're like, really? Like you're going to rhyme that, <laughs> that, that's, oh my gosh. You're, yeah. It's just rhyme time and time. That's, that's how you're going to do that. Okay. Great. You and Bon Jovi uh, need to get together and <laughs> just work on writing some of the worst lyrics. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but I'm here to defend the police and not tear That's down nice. Stig's songwriting. So let's, uh, let's have a look now at the next one. Um, and we'll finish, we'll finish this kind of round here with Synchronicity 2. Okay, so this is off Synchronicity, the album, which is, was their biggest album, I believe, because it had every breath you take on it, right? Yeah. Ugh, speaking of. <laughs> we're, not, we're not touching that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that ride symbol, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot how much I forgot. See, John, you're really appealing to my love of three-piece bands here. You know, the the, <laughs> power, the power trio because I forgot that you can hear every instrument so well in these songs and just how how good they sound. And it's a it's a weird like they're they're kind of pop songs, but the chord progressions are all over the place. Yeah, it's so at the beginning of this, it's mostly an A, and then he's kind of throwing in color tones. So it keeps it pretty straightforward. But then when he gets into the pre-chorus section there, it's just that kind of that arpeggiated little riff that he's playing. Yeah. Um, where he just kind of plays around with this D minor section. And it's a, one of the things that I really like about his playing is how he can take a simple chord progression, probably so Sting can play a bass line over it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah um and still make it sound really interesting and really appealing this too i think with the synthesizers again there's a lot of space here um disregarding the video that's some sort of again bizarre 80s post-apocalyptic thing still has a really cinematic quality to it and you almost feel like there's a, there's another story going on here and that's that's what i think is is interesting about this one too so it's a a good for me kind of caps the things that the band has done in the past and sort of brings that those qualities of everybody kind of working together for the project and i think it sounds i think it sounds great no i i I think that's a very good argument and it does it does hold up very well i think just in terms of 
just though I don't know in terms of like you listen to stuff from that era from the the eighties era that that you know the I don't know because this is kind of, this is essentially post punk right it's it's like yeah. it, it's like post punk but also kind of pop music at the same time it's really it's hard to categorize because there's just so many influences going on yeah yeah it really is I mean well and that's the thing so let's let's go ahead and do let's do the uh we'll do two more so let's do canary in a coal mine real quick <laughs> i love this song oh, it's a great song uh let's play it Yeah, it's 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 so catchy. It really is, and yeah, I don't know. It's just well, it's, it's based. The song is about being like overly cautious, right? More essentially, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. But that 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 it's like ska. Like it's it's really it, that, well, that. and that's just it. So their part of their influence comes from ska and punk. And so yeah. when you listen to the early records and and like this song in particular, you can hear the, those two tone elements that Andy Summers is borrowing from, you know, two-tone rhythms being driven a lot by that kind of yeah. upstroke type ska, borrowing from reggae, of course. So, you know, it's, I think that's one of the things the police were able to, to do well is kind of grab some of these different elements and create something that uh, that has sort of a unique sound. I mean, this is, but you could totally stick horns on this and this could have been part of whatever that is, third yeah. wave, I think, which was yeah. you know, the stuff we grew up listening to in the late 90s. So, <laughs> oh, come on. You know you did too. Oh, yeah. Three-quarter yeah. left pants all the way, man. Those uh, dude, yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. You know, that's the other thing. It is. God, it's, it's fun. It's, it's yes. upbeat. It's dancey. Yeah. It's cool. It is. So. Yeah. No, I don't like that because this, like, it's. I really like knowing the fact. Like, if this was a regular band, I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. But knowing that Andy Summers is as good he is as he is at guitar, and just hearing him play these like just fun, catchy guitar parts. Yeah. And it, it's 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 very fun and upbeat. Yeah. I I I like Zanetta Mandetta. I I I as an album. Um, it's like a really good three-piece pop album, I think. Um, God damn it, John. You're going to make me get back. <laughs> uh, to your point about Andy Summers, uh, I think it's kind of that Jim West effect. Like, he's so good at what he does. Jim West being the uh, uh, Al for Weird Al. Go back and listen to his uh, uh, interview because it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But Jim uh, is just able to do all these different things on guitar. And then when it comes to making up his own stuff, it's just, it's, he can bring those elements from everywhere. And I think that's one of the things that really allowed the police to create those later sounds and those cinematic landscapes and things that just seem now quintessentially 80s. They were part of shaping that sound in the early 80s. I mean, they broke up at the end of their tour and it was 1984. Okay. You know, so when you think of the end of that synchronicity tour, it was 84. And that sounds, those cinematic things that they were doing in 81 and 83, that stuff carries all the way through and gives you, now when you watch something like Stranger Things, those elements are still present where you, you're holding these two chords just back and forth with just color tones on top of them, whether it's on a synth or a guitar or whatever. So anyway, 
There we go. I think we got one more. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Miss Gradenko. I don't know this one. Okay. Yeah. So this one's also off of synchronicity. Okay, before we go into this song, um, can I, because I, I remember I just looked up while I was listening to that there, why I, I syn- Synchronicity is a fecking mental album. You yeah. have the, you have like, Synchronicity 2, you have Every Breath You Take, you have King of Pain, three pop songs in a row, but then you have Walking In Your Footsteps, a song about dinosaurs. Right, uh, and nuclear song, weapons. But. And nuclear weapons. Hey, <laughs> Mr. Brontosaurus, have you got a lesson for us? Fuck off. Um, <laughs> it's a song Thank that you. I... Yeah, I saw that I saw them play live, and as soon as they played the opening chords, I'm like, finally, I can go to the bathroom because <laughs> everybody hates that song. There's also another yes. song that Andy Summers wrote called "Mother" on Synchronicity, yes, which, which is insane, a flaming garbage fire of a song. Um, why did you pick? Why, okay, Miss Grenenko, why did you pick this one? I mean, it's it's it's, it's the the chords are very unusual. Yeah. So, well, that's just it. It's um the picking on it was one of the things that fascinated me early on as a young budding guitarist. And I was just like, what is going on? Cause boy, I was, it it just comes so fast again with this like steady 16th notes. It's just really hard to like, it was hard for me to pick it out and learn it. Um, And I couldn't find any tabs that were correct at the time. Mm. And cause those were the days of the early interwebs. That's it. Yes, young whippersnappers don't know how good you have it. (laughs) Get off my lawn. Uh, Just just the guitar parts there, but again, coming back to Stuart Copeland's hi-hat work, which just, I think, I don't know how they mixed it, but for me, that thing just sticks out. Uh, The groove on this is really cool. Even the bass line is, it's a good bass line. It just grooves. The whole song really grooves, but it, it, it doesn't have what you would expect, like, it's not an R&B groove. It's not really like a funk. It's not their sort of ska or punk or anything like that. But it's just, it's got a great groove. I really enjoy just the, the, whole, the whole vibe of it. And that guitar lick in the opening, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> this, there's, there's sort of a, an attachment to it too. The solo is also really interesting. I didn't include the solo, but it's this really, for lack of a better term, kind of boxy sounding solo with some things like flat nines uh over like an e7 chord and stuff like that so it's it is kind of an interesting chord progression there because it just isolates between an e7 and a d7 and it never like resolves anywhere so yeah okay yeah that's that's just in terms of the voicings that's a big thing because if you play um like a ninth chord like maybe like a you know the opening chord to every breath you take or, or uh, message in a bottle message in a bottle like that's it it's a police court like it's there's very few like you've got a hendrix court and you've got a police court like you it's it's so weird that that sound can be so synonymous with like a band you know it's really yeah. you, know, you know you've made it when you've like got a chord named after you but uh, yeah it's, <laughs> the andy summers chord essentially yeah. but it's it's the like you can't play that shape without somebody 
saying it, the yeah. summers. Um, and that's the thing. Like it's it's a it's a four chord pop song message in a bottle, but it's that shape that's played underneath the the you know the baseline. It's it's what makes it really interesting. And you know, it really I think it's what set them apart from loads of bands of that era were these that the musicality of summers guitar playing. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, and his use of effects as well. Cool, excellent report, John. I uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I, Stuart Copeland's solo stuff is mental. Uh, Sting as a s- solo artist, I absolutely can't stand. <laughs> his his loot album, his his elevator oh. jazz version of Roxanne. Ugh. Yeah. Oh man. His little man. like, hey, we're gonna do kind of a sit down yoga live set. It was just, oh my gosh. Oh. Just, just uh, Ugh, painful. Just painful. But yeah, police. Uh, a, f- a couple of great albums, some brilliant singles, uh, some great guitar playing. I always thought as well the uh, the guitar solo to "So Lonely" is one of my favorite guitar solos ever because it just comes out of nowhere. It's just bonkers. Um, so, yes. Well, 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 well done, John. Uh, I will. <laughs> little flat so, so pull, pulled you back from the edge, anyway. Yeah, you did actually, so. and I know, and damn you, because I know I'm going to be listening to the police. Uh, uh, See, and that's tomorrow. the thing. I was really trying to find something that I was like, and something too that I, I mean, I hadn't listened to the police much recently at all, but it was just kind of like, you know what? There's actually some really good stuff here, and it's worth talking about. So, there you Agreed. go. Thank you, thank you for 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 put, putting me through all that again. I thought I just when I thought I was out, you clawed me back in. Ah, uh, okay, so man. John, yeah, what have you been listening to? What have I been listening to? Well, um, I think I'm trying to remember now. There's been a few things. So, have I talked about Strawberry Girls before? I think I have. But you, yes. Okay. Well, then maybe I should find somebody else to talk about because I had been listening to them. So. But I've also been listening to a lot of acoustic and classical guitar, a lot of Toro Takamitsu, which I think I've mentioned him before as well. Um, And then a few other uh, film composers. So since I'm kind of on this whole cinematic thing, uh, Nico Muley, for example, uh, I've really been enjoying as one of them. So... But it's it's more kind of, I'm just, I'm trying to, I think my ears have been a little bit tired. I've been listening to Andy James as well. So he's a guitar player, um, kind of instrumental guitar stuff like you would expect from me. But, is Andy James the country guy that you showed me? If you no, 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 no. He's, uh, yeah, he's, I wouldn't go so far as to say like a shred monster, but he's kind of, it's instrumental guitar stuff. Um, electric. Cool rock based oh yes this guy i know this guy yeah so fantastic guitarist um but i'm kind of i feel like i've been listening to a lot of harder stuff in the gym and just a lot of other shred stuff in general so i'm giving my ears a break and kind of going back out there finding some acoustic guitar music finding some more uh like i said before i've been kind of working on composition stuff but kind of nerd composition stuff so thinking in terms of orchestration and just seeing who's out there and what they're doing and putting some feelers out there. You know? Cool. Sweet as, man. That's good. Yeah, it's good to keep it varied. Sorry, my, my nose is constantly running, so I kind of have to... Um, well, yeah. you better catch it. Whoa! Whoa! Oh, end of the podcast, no. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm never talking to you again. 
no, that's that's good. I can totally appreciate that, especially when you're playing guitar as much as you are, um, to uh, you know, vary it up a little bit, I suppose. Cool. Yeah. So uh, yourself, what are you listening to? You've been doing a lot of preparing for gigs and things. So I have. Yes, I, I supported um, cult icon uh, Jeffrey Lewis recently. Um, who I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was very part of, very much part of the anti-folk, um, really hip mm-hmm. Brooklyn scene. Um, super nice dude. I supported him uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, yeah, he yeah, it was really a real milestone for me because I really like him as a songwriter. I mean, it's it's very simple stuff musically, but he does this whole kind of like stream of consciousness lyric writing, which I really like. And he did this fifteen minute. Uh, basically, what he does is when he performs, he has a projector behind him, so he'll basically tell stories and he will project comic books that he himself has illustrated, which are amazing. So he was just uh, projecting. He did a 15-minute song, which was basically the history of uh, New York City punk between 1950 and 1975. Mm-hmm. So what he'd do is he basically, and he did it in limerick form. So he would say, yeah, it was amazing. Oh so my God. That's go amazing. Yeah, and he goes through all these bands that you've never heard before that basically started punk in the, the New York scene back in the 50s. And then him and his band would play like 30 seconds of all of their songs. And it was just like, it was amazing. It was something like, it was a real, it was a stage show. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I The, the Raconteurs uh, have released um, possibly my favorite album of the year uh, last week. Um, I've had that on a loop. Basically, I found Jack White's album, Great last album. album, to be very... Yeah, um, to be very experimental, and this new album is really just like a really good modern blues rock. Uh, I which really I love the like. Raccoon Tour stuff. I yeah, always, man, me like too. every bit of it is fantastic. It's like the first album has loads of like Zeppelin influences on it, and they're just all really good musicians. And there's like you know, it's basic song structure with guitar solos and catchy choruses, but done really well. Uh, you know, so yeah, that's that's been that, and also because their new album is out in August, I have been rediscovering my uh, adolescent love of the band Slipknot, and I am just you know, oh I'm honest. Oh my gosh, I don't even know you anymore. We can't have this conversation. <laughs> Maybe that could be my next. You hate it, okay? That is my name. Challenge no. accepted. Challenge that's, accepted. Uh, oh, yeah, I have. That's I've never had sense. an appreciation for Slipknot, so you're you're gonna have a a tough climb. You haven't spoken to me about it, John. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what I've been uh, been listening to. But what have you been working on, pray tell? Um, so working on, I've been learning a couple of periphery licks and working on. I have a student working on the Trooper solo, and Chris Zuba oh. has a great video on the Trooper solo. So shameless plug for friend of the show, Chris Zupa. Uh, check out his solo for the Trooper. It has been invaluable to both myself and the student and working through it. And I'm never afraid to point students to good resources because, you know, I, I can, while my student may not be able to ask Chris Zupa those questions directly, I can, because I know Chris <laughs> Zupa. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Facebook friends with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I had to tie about a bit of Neely Brosh's uh, Adaptable Creatures. So I've got a student working on that as well. And I know I've said that before and I managed to get the intro and then the student, I had another student who was like, hey, now that I've learned the intro, I want to learn, you know, the main A section. And I'm like, well, crap. So I had to work <laughs> on that. Again, I sent her a message and was like, hey, do you have tabs? And she was like, no, good luck. And I was like, oh. oh well, the fact that you can do that is, is yeah. Again, well, I could just email Neely Brush anytime. 
um sweet so that kind of stuff you basically uh, kind of like me to a certain extent you're being kept busy by the students that you're teaching with their whatever they want to learn which can be fun can be fun i've i've learned a lot of cool things that way but yeah so yeah what are what are you working on then besides your your own gigging stuff yeah, well, I've I've been doing my 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 solo Sunday series, and uh, which I'm I'm taking a break on now. Actually, next solo Sunday episode, which I do on Instagram, um, I am learning the solo to bin caught stealing by Jane's Addiction, um, which oh, is fun. a really really great. Yeah, man, it's a freaking amazing, um, like little guitar solo. Uh, Dave Navarro is cool, man. Dave Navarro, I, and also he has not aged a day since like 1996. Isn't that weird? Um, yeah, I know. It's like I it's all that eye makeup. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure he's drinking people's blood and stuff. So uh, what was the last solo Sunday that I did? Oh, I did... Uh, oh, I did the back and black solo, which was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, something I'd always wanted to learn. I, I, I could just, I could spend my time learning Angus Young solos, man. They're just so much fun to play. Um, so that, and I've also been learning slow dancing in a burning room for a student, which was uh, Good Crack by John Mayer. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have mixed opinions on that one. One, I don't really like the song, but there's some, that intro riff, that first riff. Yeah, that's uh, that. Yeah, it's, that's it's a great tool. I've used it a lot for helping students to see different ways you can play chords. Yes, and then exactly. kind of breaking it down and, and showing them. Of course, there's the John Mayer sixth, seventh, major seventh, major sixth thing that he does all he does, the time. Yeah. But it's a great yeah. example for it, um, and it just gives you a good idea of how to kind of play with the chords and create little licks out of them too. So I've, I've used that a lot for those. I know. Who know I'm not a huge fan of the song. There's some really good elements in it, and I really hate yeah. that. <laughs> But it really makes me teaching it. I'm like, hey, this is great. But have you heard of Jimi Hendrix? Because this has all been done before. Like, it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is a lot of little wing. Like that's exactly. It's really it, what it is. It's at just, least Pearl Jam acknowledged that better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, John, this was a lot of fun as always. Uh, thank you very much for for helping us put this together and for recording and putting it up whenever it goes out. Um, yeah. friends, if you have any questions we are on instagram we have a gmail sharefletx at gmail.com it's a sharefletx pod um you'll find it um and yeah we are on soundcloud and everything so if, if anybody wants to shoot us a message uh yeah we we we're we're, we're keeping this boat a rolling which is yep. what i said at the start of the yeah you anything you'd like to add no i don't think so i think it's just catchphrase time that's it. Yes. Well, uh, stay for our next uh, episode, which I will start uh, preparing. Um, should have done my MA thesis on that. Um, friends, <laughs> until then, stay sharp. <laughs>